The VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. The VO Meter is brought to you by VoiceActorWebsites.com Vocal Booth to Go PodcastDemos.com Global Voice Acting Academy and IPDTL. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 34 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. We have a great show today, some fantastic guests, and some cool things to talk about. We'll start off with our current events, but first, here's a word from our sponsor, voiceactorwebsites.com. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. Thank you very much, Voice Actor Websites, for being our sponsor, and we are so happy for everything you do, and I know where I'm going to turn to when I make my new website. So, uh, up next, we have our current events. Anything new with you, Paul? Yeah, quite a bit, actually. We we talked about in our in our meetup group, our, our voiceover vanguard group a couple of weeks ago, how several of us feel like we're going through a midlife crisis. I think um, one person <laughs> actually said those words. I'm not quite to that point, but I, I have I have been reevaluating my voiceover career and how to approach things. And what I've decided is that I need to chase the money, basically. So I've been doing a little bit of everything and still do and still plan to. But I, I'm going to focus primarily on audiobooks while those are providing me some sustainable work because it's by far the genre where I get most of my work and I've been pretty successful at it lately. So that's what I've been focusing on. And recently, actually New Year's Eve, right before the new year, my new book, The Happiness Paradox, that is done by best-selling author Richard Iyer came out. And that has done really well so far. It's been a couple of weeks and it's sold over 20 copies, which is sound, doesn't may not sound like a lot, but I have books I've done two or three years ago that have sold less than that. So uh, it's off to a good start and I'm excited about that. And then I have another book in the can, so to speak. All the recording is done. I'm waiting for the rights holder to approve it. It's called The Falls and it's a supernatural thriller. That's pretty exciting. And it's mm -hmm. also a series. So the first one's done and the next one is out there and, and I'm waiting for the, the rights holder to talk to me about it and and officially offer it up, but we've talked about it, and he said, yeah, I'd like you to do the series, and that's book two of four. Now, the other three, the other two, three and four, are not written yet. The author is currently working on them. In this case, the author is the rights holder, but it looks pretty promising to have two more books on the horizon as well. No, that's great, I, and I remember you talking about this, I think, last episode, where you had just gotten this deal, and it's rare where it's just like, hey, I love you guys so much, I want to keep you on for multiple books, and... 
I definitely think that's a, a wise decision of yours to try and focus on where you're getting the return on investment. We, I actually just finished leading a, uh, a workout today where we talked about the importance of identifying your niche and like where, like when you get started, sure, you want to experiment and try a variety of genres, a variety of scripts to see what, to figure out what your wheelhouse is. But uh, when you've been doing it for a while, like Paul and I have, you kind of figure out where like what elements are in your wheelhouse and i'm kind of in a similar boat right now where it's just like i can see where i want to get with my voiceover career but a lot of it is uh is patience involved right and like i'm trying to just kind of like build a nest egg for myself and kind of invest in some training and some new marketing materials to kind of bring myself up to that next level yeah and in fact this book i'm working on sort of brought me to this conclusion and i shared it with the rest of our workout group who I thought it might help. It's all about um, noticing the things around you that, that are making you happy. But you can also relate it to work. Uh, the author talks a lot about serendipity and how he equates that to taking the cues from the world around you that are telling you the direction to go. Mm-hmm. More, more in line towards personal growth and happiness. But while I was doing this book, it also applied to, to the work I was doing where I realized I was getting a lot of, a lot of notice in these books. Uh, I have several auditions that have come recently to me through my website where people just reached out to me for auditions for audiobooks. And that doesn't happen with anything else for the most part, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't get a lot of, I don't get hired off my, my character demo very often or my commercial demo where people are actually reaching out to me on my website. But audiobooks, it does. So as, I, as that was happening and, and I was doing this book, I thought to myself, hey, dummy, this is actually happening to you. Pay attention <laughs> and no, that, follow what's going important. on. That's wonderful. And I mean, like, I don't know where your opinions fall on it, but like, there's like, you shouldn't have any shame in being a good audiobook narrator. It's a very specific skill set as far as VO goes, and one that not a lot of people are good at. Like, I know, like, I even do like similar projects, long form. The bulk of what I do is like corporate or uh, documentary narration stuff. And even me, I'm like, I can't, like, I can do hour long projects, but 12 hour ones is difficult. So, um, yeah, it's not I something been... I don't like doing and, and don't get me wrong. If it sounds like I'm, I'm saying I don't enjoy doing it or there's a stigma attached to it. It's not that it's just that, uh, it's, well, really it's the first thing that I had success with. And that should have been my clue three and a half years ago. But mm-hmm. because I've been chasing all these other types of, of VO, just like you said, to sort of find my niche, because I didn't really think I knew what it was, I've done a lot of workout groups. I was supposed to do one tomorrow, actually. I, I was supposed to go to Philadelphia to do an in-person workout with Everett Oliver and a, and a bunch of the, the Philly meetup group. So Everett's going to be on uh, on Zoom, and the rest of us are going to meet at Martha Mellinger's house. And we were supposed to do that in person, but we're getting our first snowstorm of the season, and uh-huh. we actually had to cancel it because... It's about to snow any minute here on the East Coast, and we had to put it off. But I still yeah. do workouts with Everett. I do workouts with several other coaches, and, and don't plan to stop because, as we talked about, we have several agents, and they're not going to stop sending me auditions. At least I hope they don't. Please don't. So <laughs> I'm going to keep doing those, but uh, it's good to have uh, a defined focus like you talked about. So, yeah, and it's great because, I mean, it, it's important every couple of months or every, like or annually to kind of sit down and reassess. Like you said, where am I getting the bulk of my income from? Uh, what areas should I focus on? And that doesn't mean that, say, like maybe Paul has a passion for character work, like he said, but or he might need more training or something like that. So you want to try and recognize as quickly as you can where your strengths are, what your potential weaknesses are, and then get both to a competitive level. Because... 
Uh, that's the only way you're going to get bought is if you have something that's undeniably good, right? Or a product or performance that the people want. So, yeah, totally makes sense. So that's so basically what's happening with me lately. Um, what's happening with you? Well, last, uh, I know a lot of people complain that like this time of year is very slow and it can be, uh, for me, honestly, I kind of needed a break. Um, last month was very difficult for me because on top of all of the usual, um, well, just like the nature of my work, I mean, I kind of worked throughout uh, the winter break and stuff like that uh, for doing my own VO work in GVA um, membership stuff. But we, um, I got sick for like three out of the four weeks of December. It was really frustrating. Oh, no. Um, and of course, it was, it was mainly like throat-based illnesses. So like I could... Like there was long periods where I just couldn't voice anything, and it was it was very disheartening. I don't know about you guys, but I get, I get a little sad when I get sick because I'm just like, well, not gonna perform today. But um, but yeah, unfortunately, it, you it, can't really help that because it's, it is your instrument. So if you can't talk, you can't work. Yeah, and they and there's like and we know all the shortcuts, right? I mean, like I, my my pantry is loaded with throat coat tea. And, um, and I like, I, I have vocal sprays that I like and all that stuff, but none of it is a good substitute for rest, right? And rest and recovery. So some things that I did do to fill the time, I figured out everything in my business that I could be doing other than voicing actual stuff. I like, I, I researched some more, I reached out to potential clients, um, heard back from some potential clients. So that was good. Um, and figured out, like, kind of went over my expenses for the year, figured out what my goals for the year would be. So there's definitely things that you can do during your downtime to sort of make it feel like you're not just sitting on your laurels in case you're just ridiculously sick, because I had a couple of days where I'm just like, I can't do anything. Um, and sometimes you just have to listen to your body. And, like, if anything, I feel like I was kind of just burning way too many candles trying to like trying to be there for family and friends and try and get all my work obligations done um and so you, you have to like self-care is very important right so you yeah, just definitely. can't let your you especially when you're trying to build a business whether you're working part-time or not you just have to be it's even more important to make sure you're eating enough that you're resting well enough that you're like washing your hands often enough and like, because like we said, your voice is your instrument and you just can't afford to get sick for long periods of time. Luckily for me, it happened during the holiday season where everyone else kind of just shuts down anyways. But you really have to be mindful of the circumstances that might have caused that. So you can do your best to prevent them in the future. That's awesome. Awesome <laughs> yes, that you're feeling. Even in sickness, we can learn. Right, exactly. Because some of the, most of those things you mentioned, I still have to do to close out 2018 and haven't really done any of it, which... <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> it's all right. You still got three-ish months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although 1099s are due. If you if you hire any independent contractors, the 1099C has to go out by the end of January. So get on that. I did, but it was under the uh, the monetary requirement. Yeah, it's six hundred dollars. <laughs> so. I think is the is the last check. The, the monetary requirement. Yes, so, but who might we be employing, Paul? Just for our for our audience who you might not know. Uh, well, the the editors that work on my my audiobooks, so I'm not going to give Absolutely. names. Absolutely, but... I have a I have a couple of editors that I work with, um, who 
Like now that I figured out punch and roll a little bit better, I don't have to use them as often, but um, it's still great to have if you just have a high volume of projects that you're doing. Um, so definitely, even if you don't intend to use them, at least get familiar with a few because you never know when your workflow is just a little bit too high for you and you just want to get uh, your project or make sure that your projects are finished on time or even earlier within deadline. So, uh, so those might be expenses that you might um, have to pay out for. You might be working with an audio engineer or someone like that to sort of dial in your studio sound. So that would definitely fit uh, if you spend that $600 towards that or even paying someone like for uh, like Joe Davis at Voice Actor Websites to help you get a new website up. Things like that. It all applies. Oh, right. I actually forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm you glad mentioned I reminded that. you. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say sometimes hiring other talent for jobs too. Like uh, we hired Marisha Tapera to do our intro, uh, the Absolutely. fabulous in new intro we have for the VO meter. So yeah, sometimes when you're hiring colleagues to, to do joint projects, that, that applies too. So yeah, so we, we just want to instill in you guys that even though for the most part, uh, freelance voice talent are one-man bands, at some point in your career or several stages of your career, you might want to build a staff that you can work with to help you out to either improve your efficiency with projects, to uh, to do some of the tasks that you don't feel strong or as confident in or don't like to spend time on, say email marketing or client uh, or reaching out to new clients, things like that. So like again, it's all just about thinking how to be an actual business or however big you want it to be. Yeah, some people I know actually hire virtual assistants or in-person assistants, sometimes it's a family member who might be in the house, to do the um, clerical work for them. Sometimes that even crosses over to marketing. People will hire people to do cold calls for them or cold marketing. Again, it's all about figuring out what makes you a more efficient business person. And sometimes, yeah, you're spending extra for staff, but again, what is the return on investment? If you're able to make more money because you have staff, power to you. Keep working with that system. Exactly. So this is totally unrelated, but because we were talking about current events. It's something that came to mind. My family and I went to Florida for the, the week between Christmas and New Year's, and we went to Busch Gardens, Tampa. So we're, we're on the tram ride out of the parking lot on the way to the park, and I hear the voice saying, Welcome to Busch Gardens, Tampa. Please enjoy your tram ride as we make our way through parking lot A or B or whatever the heck it was called. And I said to the people with me, I know that voice. So I thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, It's Sean Caldwell, who, as you may know, lives oh, nice. in that area. So I, I emailed him while I was on the tram and said, are you the voice of the tram at, at, at Bush Gardens Tampa? And he's like, I sure am. And a few of the, the safety, a few of the safety features for the rides too. So listen up. And then sure enough, later on, we were on a roller coaster. And again, I was like, oh, there's Sean. I hear him. Where is he? And it was the ride next to us as he was giving the, the warning to strap yourself in. And that's just so cool whenever that happens when you're somewhere and you're not even thinking about VO. Like I was just talking about the roller coasters and how exciting it was to go to the park. And here, I hear Sean in my, in my ears over the, the tram loudspeaker. It was really cool. That's really awesome. At first, I thought you were going to say Terry Daniel, just because I know he does a lot of amusement park rides. Uh -huh. but it's, so, it's so cool when our friends, we get to hear them doing their things. Yeah, the ironic part was Sean was actually in town at that point. He was he was in Tampa and said, do you want to get together? And I said, well, we're going to be at the park. And I got six kids with me. We were with another family. So it didn't really work out. We just spent the whole day eating cotton candy and riding roller coasters. But it would have been cool maybe next time, Sean. <laughs> Still sounds like a productive day. Sounds Indeed. <laughs> well, that pretty much wraps up everything for current events. Before we get to our questionable gear purchase, we have a quick word from our friend Tim Page over at Podcast Demos. 
So let me tell you about Tim's team, who has produced over 1,000 podcast intros for some of the biggest podcasts on the planet. Each demo includes custom-written scripts and hand-selected music, and is guaranteed to showcase your voice and talent in the best light possible. With a finger on the pulse of what podcast producers want, you can be sure your podcast demo will sound professional, current, and competitive. And you guys know this, but uh, Paul and I actually got our demos produced by Tim and his wonderful team, and all I can say is that they those guys are amazing. His scriptwriter created original scripts perfect for my voice and personality, as well as reflective of current popular podcast genres. I recorded in the comfort of my own home studio, and Tim worked his mastering magic. The whole process only took a couple of days, and I couldn't be more pleased. Tim is a consummate pro and so easy to work with. Thank you, Tim, and Podcast Demos. And Tim, as you may know, has recently ventured into audiobooks himself as a narrator and has talked about how much he's enjoying it. And I'm listening to a book he's doing right now, and he's really good. So if, uh, he, if he's you get just a chance, an amazing talent all the way around. I mean, if he's just an inspiring individual, and I'm not just saying that because we both love Marvel Comics, but <laughs> um, he's just a really cool guy. And I just feel like if you want to see someone who was able to kind of make, did everything right, where like got all the right training, had very clear goals of where he wanted to take his or his career. He's definitely meeting them. Like you can hear him doing promo in, uh, in Sketch VO for the Jimmy Kimmel Show, and he's just killing it in various markets and wherever he sets his VO goals to. So Tim, great work, man. You're, uh, we're rooting for you. We hope you have a great and successful 2019. Yeah, so the audiobook I was talking about is called Ancient Echoes. It's by Joanne Pence and narrated by Tim Page. Um, if you haven't looked him up based on our glowing reviews, it's P-A-I-G-E. So look him up and download that book. Very cool. Awesome, Tim. Questionable Gear Purchase. All right, so questionable gear purchases. Um, I've done a lot of stupid things, or well, it remains to be seen, I guess. You want me to go first or you want to start? <laughs> I don't really have anything. I can't think of it. Um, I don't know. All right, so I'll start then. I have actually sold a lot of things this month or this last couple of months. And the reason is because of what I talked about before with my greater focus on audiobooks. I am starting to do everything I, everything I narrate or everything I do standing up. I used to sit down both when I did this podcast and when I did audiobooks. And I think it was kind of constricting my diaphragm where I found I was running out of breath a lot. And... That is not good for either podcast or audiobook. So I stood up for the last couple of audiobooks I spoke about, and I think it made a big difference in, in my delivery. So with that, I started using my uh, Sennheiser 416 exclusively. And as I did that, I didn't need as much of the, the processing on the background I was doing with my Apollo, um, Apollo Twin audio interface. I was using some of the live plugins, the... the um, What's it called again? USD? USP processing? DSP processing. DSP. Yeah. So while I was using digital a lot of the DSP. signal processing. Right. So I was using some of those plugins that digital signal processing. And I don't really need those with the 416. So, and as I mentioned, I was using the SM7B while I was sitting down. So I got rid of all of those and <laughs> have simplified my life considerably. And also made a you nice... finally got rid of the Sure? Really? I did get rid of the Sure. And oh my God. I know. I liked it for a while, and you know, it's it's still a venerable mic. In fact, we're doing a, a mic shootout. This is what we call a tease in the biz. We're doing a pretty involved <laughs> mic shootout in our upcoming episode, where you'll hear that mixed in with a bunch of the other mics that we have uh, on hand, and it That's still right. sounds and good. 
Oh, yeah. And I think you'll be surprised because we kind of like, I don't know, we, we had a weird variety of microphones in, in Paul's and mine's studio. So um, everything from very affordable microphones like the, the Shure SM58 and the MXL990. I'm sure you know the, uh, the, the 58. It's a very popular like um, live performance microphone, um, very durable, affordable, dynamic microphone. Uh, then the MXL 990 is another $99 mic that's very affordable, but certainly surprisingly useful for voiceover. Um, and it's also very popular to be like modded by, I know that, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy over at Octava Mods. Um, he actually retired, Michael Jolly. Yeah, he actually retired. Um, but you can still get one through microphoneparts.com as well. Uh, a lot of my engineer friends was like, ooh, mod that MXL 990. It's was like, I can't. It's my uncle's. Um, <laughs> I actually bought one and tried to mess around with it at one point, of course. So. <laughs> oh, of course. You know you can pay them to replace those parts for you. But <laughs> Well, I thought it would be a cool project to try. I didn't do a whole lot. I just um, cleaned out the mesh in the head, ga in the head gasket and tried to improve the sound. It wasn't bad. That's cool. Get to know your tools a little bit, but yeah. So we've got we've got those. We've got some interesting uh, dynamic microphones thrown in the mix. I happen to have an interview mic on hand, so uh, for like field uh, audio interviews and stuff like that. So tried that out, and of course we also had our four sixteens and some um, some higher level uh, microphones as well, at least in the price department. Right. So, um, so both those videos wanna... are out now. We actually both did videos to, to showcase it. And if you're so inclined, go check those out now and let us know what you think. And then you'll have, you'll have the full shootout in an, in an upcoming episode. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But the yeah. point of all this yeah. was simplifying my, my process and my, my booth. So now I just have the 416 in here. Don't even have another mic mounted anywhere. And I'm using my Yamaha AG06 audio interface, which surprisingly I did keep, and I'm still using that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you use that a lot in um, in some of your own like field audio situations and stuff like that, taking it to like uh, sports events and things like that. Yeah, we use it at Mabo to record all the interviews too. Indeed, indeed, and that's another like that's something that I'm seeing a lot is like there these sort of um, if you're ever debating on buying a really expensive piece of gear like will it really help my sound the i'm seeing more and more people with like say just a nice industry standard mic like the like the TLM 103 or the 416 and a really affordable interface something in the 150 to 300 dollar range so while it's important to have like sort of aspirational goals with the kind of gear and setup you want there's i think people are finally discovering that like the bear the financial barrier to entry with a quality sound is much lower than you might think. Yeah, and I matched those sounds pretty closely. I sent it to you and all of our all of our friends at the the VOV, where I did the online the onboard DSP processing with the Yamaha and what I was using with the Apollo and the 416. Mm -hmm. It was almost indistinguishable in my mind. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. And that, I mean, like, keep in mind, folks, this is like a 150 or it was like a $200 interface versus like a $700 interface. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like I said, the proof is in the pudding. So, so yeah, um, questionable gear purchases, not so much, but maybe smart financial decisions. That's not as catchy. <laughs> I know it's sensible gear purchases, right? Yeah, there we go. Um, but for me, I actually, um, you guys know a few episodes ago, I, I finally got my own dream microphone, the Gefell M930. Something that was really fun about doing the mic shootout for me was like really getting to put this through its paces. And I got a lot of compliments on it. So I was just like, oh, thank God, I justified the, <laughs> the decision to get it. 
Um, but Are you using I mean, it now? It, no, not not now. I think maybe next episode I will. Um, but I, it's just a beautiful microphone. It's it's very different. Like some people compare it, like saying it sounds very similar to the Neumann TLM one hundred three, and I'd say they have similarities about it in the level of clarity and in the super low noise floor that they both have. But I'd, they they have their very own distinct sound. Um, I loved like I loved how the uh, the Neumann sounded on me. But it, like I said before, I was not a huge fan of the shock mount it came with. Uh, the mic itself is surprisingly heavy, um, which I mean the build quality you want that kind of like confidence in it. That it's but it's also despite that that heaviness that weight it's still very fragile. You never want to drop it. It had this wonderful like rich almost. <laughs> I was telling my friend it had a really ballsy sound to it, <laughs> but um, like it sounded great. But I felt like the uh, the Gefell was kind of captured things more as they were, with maybe just a like and just kind of smoothed everything out. It was just really pleasant. Um, so I'm really happy that I have it, and I hope for the time being my uh, my gas has been cured. So, speaking of questionable gear purchases and sort of slimming down your audio chain, uh, we have a VO meter stick slash questionable gear purchase from one of our listeners. But before that, a quick message from GVAA. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one. And this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez. I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead. Take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Hey, everybody. It's time for the VO meter shtick. What did he say? It's time for the VO me- Oh, never mind. The VO Mila shtick? Oh, got it. Hey, everybody. This is Kurt Bonham here, and uh, this is my questionable gear purchase. Sorry, I had to. Anyway, um, I was in the mood for a new mic. I think it's because I've had uh, this microphone of mine that I'm talking on now. It's a Mojave MA201 FET. I've had it for about six months, and I really loved it when I got it, and I got a great deal on it off of eBay from an engineer that only used it in an animation studio. It was in perfect condition, got it for $400, a few hundred off of uh, uh, the new retail price, and uh, I really liked it. But I think over the past six months, I sort of got ear fatigue listening to my own voice through it and started to pick apart every little thing and decided... It wasn't right anymore. I'm looking at frequency charts and saying, oh, I'm pulling out frequencies that it's boosting, and maybe this isn't the right mic for me. So um, I decided I was really interested in the Sennheiser MKH-416. Uh, everybody knows it's an industry standard. A lot of big pros use it. It's in a lot of studios. 
I actually used it at the SAG VO lab uh, to do all my commercial spots uh, that I recorded for my demo. And I thought that'd be great. Unfortunately, it was out of my price range. I just really couldn't afford that right now. So I decided to take a look around and see if I could find anything comparable that would uh, be something I could afford. And I stumbled upon a YouTube video uh, comparing the 416 to a Rode NTG2. And it was done in a professional sound studio, highly controlled environment, uh, matching gain levels, um, you know, no effects, no compression, nothing raw audio. And to my ear, they sounded the same um, practically. And I thought, fantastic, this mic is way cheaper. Um, I can try this out and maybe get what I'm looking for. So I went uh, and looked around online and decided on eBay, I found a deal for uh, $199, new, uh, no shipping charges. Discovered later I could get it brand new from BPH Photo, BHP Photo, I forget what it is, for $179. Hope you won't talk about that. And I pulled the trigger and got it. While uh, I waited for the seller to get back to me to ship it, uh, it took about five days. And in that time, I started looking around again and found a cheaper one and decided, well, I'll go ahead and get that and try and cancel my other order, which I couldn't, or I'll just sell one, you know, and, and I ended up pulling the trigger on that. So then I had two NTG2s on the way to my house, and uh, I got them on the same day, very excited, headed into my, my studio here, and uh, hooked one of them up right next to my Mojave, and uh, decided to do my own, you know, mic shootout for my own sake, and... Uh, pretty much immediately realized how much better my Mojave sounded. There was a marked difference in their sound. Not to say that the NTG2 is bad. It sounded good. It just didn't have the resolution or the crispness. Um, the Mojave seemed a lot brighter, more detailed, also warmer. Um, I did a shootout that I posted on a few of the FB pages, and everybody pretty much seemed to agree on that, that the Mojave sounded better. So. Here I am with two NTG2s that I now am going to get rid of. I don't really need another mic right now, and since it's not working for me and I'm not going to be doing field work with a shotgun at any point soon, I think I will probably have to just go ahead and sell them uh, so I can take that money and put it to good use in something else, like some X sessions at VO Atlanta or maybe a ticket to APAC or something like that. Uh, so that was my questionable gear purchase. And I know now to be a little more careful, and I'm going to just keep loving on my Mojave, which actually sounds fantastic, and I'm very happy with it. So, thanks all, love the VO meter, and uh, hope to see you all in the new year. So thank you, Kurt, for that. As I was listening, I was thinking about my own uh, stupid questionable gear purchases. I almost I had a very similar experience, but with a much higher higher price item um, booths. <laughs> if you remember an early episode where oh, yes. I did almost the same thing he did, where I had two booths that I had to buy. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad that you you brought that up, Kurt, because I mean, as we discuss, it's very easy to kind of like romanticize about will that will that new microphone or will that new piece of gear cause an improvement a really noticeable one and sometimes no so like do your research get the get the best gear that you can afford when you can afford it and like just use it for as long as is necessary yeah thanks again kurt so we'll get to the interview portion in just a moment this time we have two-thirds of the voiceover collective we have brad venable and tim friedlander and we'll get to them right after a word from our sponsor ipdtl 
So if you don't know, IPDTL is the cost-effective ISDN replacement. It's great for interviews like the ones we did with Brad and Tim, outside broadcasts, and voiceovers. There's no special hardware or software required. It works anywhere with an internet connection. There's monthly or annual subscriptions, and it runs in the Chrome web browser. The best part is it just works. So without further ado, here's the interview with Brad and Tim. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. We are honored to welcome two stalwarts of the Los Angeles voiceover community who have also taken upon themselves to do something to make it easier for working pros to practice their chops and hold up the industry standards that are so important to the VO world. So let's welcome first Tim Friedlander and Brad Venable. How are you guys? Hey there. Very well. Well, thanks for joining us. I know that it was a bit of a struggle to get going today because Tim is actually with Sean in person in Washington. Guys, how's the studio out there? It's really nice. Yeah, this place is awesome. Yeah, uh, it's a place called Binary Recording. I've actually come here before for some of a... Uh, so we're, we're in more of a control room, so if there's some echo, I apologize. But um, but anyway, so I, I came up here for some narration work one time, and the guy was just great. It's like he's open 24 hours, and like I sent him an email at like midnight begging for openings today. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Just come by. Hey, and like he even remembered me, too. It was nuts. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great – it's a place I actually grew up here, and I had never been here in the 20-something years I lived up here. I never came to the studio until I moved to L.A. and came back to Washington. And then came to the studio, and it's actually in a barn. I drove up and I, I, I sent Sean a text. I'm like, "Is it is it in like a big red barn looking thing?" And, um, and it is, and it is, it is awesome. It's yeah, very it's awesome. cool. And it was so crazy because I remember I think it was like two years ago. Like mm-hmm. Tim and I had reached out to each other. I was still in Japan, but I had seen him mention something about Western Washington University, which is where I went to college. I was like, "Dude, you went to Bill," and then it was just like <laughs> Bromeo and Broliet from then yep. on. So. And here we are back back in our old college town. That's right. Right. Causing trouble and painting yep. the town red. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, the barn's already red. <laughs> the barn's already red. That's right. Red. That's a good point. That's awesome. I'm so glad we could make that work out. Yeah. Mm. So, guys, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourselves and how you got started in voiceover, or started in voiceover. Um, who wants to go first? Tim, go ahead, right. buddy. Okay. Hey, thanks. Um, well, my name is Tim Friedlander. Uh, I am from Bellingham. Actually, I'm out from in Washington, but we're in Bellingham, Washington right now. I actually started in voiceover in about 98, 99 or so um, in Seattle, studying with a coach in Seattle called, uh, her name was Veronica Weichel. And she was kind of the only coach that I knew of. Um, and my dad actually was in theater and he kind of tracked her down um, down for me. And that's how I kind of got into, into voiceover. But you know, obviously the differences between 98, 99 and here we are in 2018 are substantially different and so kind of this transition that took me, you know, 15, 16 years or so to actually get back into voiceover and learn how to do it correctly and to get caught up with the times and to get caught up with, you know, the trends and, and things that were happening in voiceover. And I got back into voiceover in about 2014 or so um, and went full time in 2016. And here we are in 2018 and, um, you know, working in voiceover full time. And flying to Washington for interviews. Living the dream. <laughs> <That's> great, yeah. <laughs> and Brad, how about you? Well, I'm Brad Venable, and um, I grew up in the hotbed of voiceover activity that is eastern Oklahoma. 
and I say that with tongue firmly, firmly in cheek, so much that I could probably bite it every other every other <laughs> word. Or poke so, through, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, about the the biggest claim to fame is the fact that Carrie Underwood and I grew up in the same hometown, and uh, her mom was <laughs> yeah. my fourth grade teacher. Awesome. I always say that. Because, you know, we uh, she played softball with my sister growing up. And so it's just it's so fun to see her be successful. And I'm like, you set that bar so high. It's like all I need to do is just be the second most re- you know remarkable person from my hometown. And I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> so what's funny about my way into this industry is, is that it's, you know, Tim already said it. It's funny because I, I just was, I made a comment the other day to some folks I was, I was working with about like, you know how panel discussions go, especially with these really hardcore established people who are wonderful and awesome in their given area. And they're like, tell us about how you got started. And they, and they go, well, in my day, and I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but it's like, <laughs> they talk about how, you know, things were in, you know, in the, the early eighties and in late eighties and early nineties and getting started when there was literally like 35 people in the industry. And, yeah. and I'm like, that's great. It's awesome to hear. And it's really great for the people who are totally lay people and just interested in voiceover as a construct and a concept, but it doesn't help you at all because how you get started in the eighties and nineties is so not how it happens now. Yeah. But and thank you for saying that, Tim, because, I mean, if you didn't say it, I probably was going to say, yes, when when I got started, this is not how you do it now, just so you know. Absolutely but not, no. what's funny is, though, is that there are some things that I did getting started that I actually would say are a good thing to get started. And that was I was a huge fan of, you know, every cartoon on Earth as people of a certain age are now um, <laughs> and, and, and nerds in general, of course. And. I I was a big huge fan of you know the GI Joes the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the Transformers G1 you know and all this other stuff that was like just integral parts of it and found out that there was this really really um, just wonderful fan community that that took a whole lot more of what we knew as as cartoons you know like Transformers specifically. And what my good friend Daniel Ross and I did this together just just to preface it, which is really great. And uh, they have these fan dub projects where they take Japanese versions of Transformers cartoons that never made it over here and are never going to see the light of day in an English official English release, a dub like Mm -hmm. almost like anime. Um, And so they basically took all the all of the, the sound sound effects and the music beds and stuff from various, you know, iterations of transformers and made a complete audio track almost like riff tracks does when you know when there wasn't such a thing as as mst3k for the longest time and uh that's kind of how i got started doing character work is is basically doing like the optimus prime characters and a couple of these you know rando wacko voice characters on these transformers fan up projects and then like i said my friend daniel ross who's also here in la with mm-hmm. tim and i He's now like one of the voices of Donald Duck. And so it's like two of us from, you know, back in the day, fan dubby projects. And this is only, you know, 15 years ago or, or, or less. But, you know, I got started with live announce, really, if you want to get technical. 
I mean, the fan dub stuff was like, oh, this is the fun stuff that I'm going to learn how to do character work, or I'm going to teach myself, or I'm just going to face plant, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I did live announce for sports. I, I was the I was the announcer for all the Olympic uh, sports at the University of Tulsa, where I where I uh, I went on an opera scholarship. So it's a weird hodgepodge of vocal weirdness that I had that got me to to into the industry and then realizing this is a crazy business. And one and two, I'll never do anything in Oklahoma because nobody does any commercials on the radio or TV unless you own a car lot or if you're a radio jock that's making $15,000 a year and only making more because they do sales in radio. And so I left because there was just no place for me there. And I went to Dallas in 2010 and uh, got some good coaching because I started a company called uh, Superhero University, which sole purpose was to bring coaches to me so that my large girth did not have to muffin top into an airplane seat <laughs> and, and travel all over the place. Made you laugh. <laughs> so, so I, you know, kind of worked on that from there. And, you know, two years ago, June in 2016, my wife and I moved uh, from uh, from Dallas to L.A. And um, the first night I was in Los Angeles, I visited Tim's studio and uh, right. Phil, Phil Bakke was there yep, that night. That's right. That's and right. that was my first experience uh, connecting with Tim in person. Uh, Jay had connected us, you know, through the collective and stuff outside of that. But uh, it's been just kind of like a whirlwind ever since. It's crazy how, how it's, you know, just taken off, you know, in so many ways for us. I didn't that's know about amazing. the live announce stuff. Did you know we actually yeah. had an episode on that a couple of weeks ago? Because that's, that's how I started as well. <laughs> you, I, you mentioned it, I, or I read or I scanned it. I didn't listen to the episode, but I knew that it was a thing. And so I was like, I'm definitely going to mention this because that's going to be one of those I'll be damned kind of moments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mean, you, mean you guys didn't thoroughly research our podcast before you joined? <laughs> but um, So funny story, Brad. I, Dude. <laughs> um, I actually found out about you from your your VO superhero website, and the oh funny gosh. story is, is I wanted VO superhero to be my business name. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, I mean, like this, this was back when I was getting established, and I was like, but uh, I mean, first off, love the site, love the comic book appearance, and everything like that. But I was just like, but dream <laughs> dreams deleted. <laughs> Um, but now that, that I know that you, URL's I'm like for, that URL's for sale if you want it. Oh, okay. I'll keep that I, I'm kidding. I, I will eventually get rid of it, but I don't know. It's just one of those things. Where, you know, it's, there's too many things going on here now to, to keep that thing going as a thing. You know. Absolutely. We've talked about the importance of just kind of being like marketing yourself as yourself, like a Brad Venable VO versus VO superhero or whatever else. Yep. Um, yeah. But, I mean, there was just so much gold in your guys' uh, stories that I wanted to unpack that a little bit before we moved on to the next question. Because, I mean, both of you said you see these industry pros with 20 or more years of experience. Yeah. And we actually had an episode recently where we went to a like a comic or anime convention, Otakon. Mm -hmm. And so many of them are like, 
would start their stories with, well, you can't do it like I did. Or like, right. it's just, we're aware now that that's not- Thank goodness. <laughs> the yeah. the yeah. avenues for entry are different now and it's not really relevant. It's great. It's more important to learn about like the kind of the skills and the mindset and the general, like the attitude of these people that help them be successful rather than exactly how they went about it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there's, yeah. So, there's so many, and it, you know, and it's, I think one of the things that we're at right now is that there are so many different ways to get into it. There's so many different opportunities, so many different ways to make your own, your own avenues um, into this. Um, you know, and, and I, I've been saying this for the last couple of years is that we're in like the VO Wild West right now and that there's, <laughs> you know, if you have, you know, there's, there's not, yes, there are still certain, you know, do's and don'ts and, and um, things along those lines. But for the most part, if you want to do it, do it. Try it. If you have an idea, try it. If it doesn't work, you know, there's not, there's no governing body of voiceover that's going to tell you what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that kind of opens you up to different ways of getting into voiceover, different ways of, of creating content, different ways of getting heard mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you couldn't have heard, you know, couldn't, I th- you know, even five, six, seven years ago, um, I think that weren't as available as they are now. Absolutely. And and Brad, I'm actually really glad that you brought up fan dubbing because I know that it's kind of like it's not thought of very highly in the professional VO community. And I can understand why there there are a lot of like amateurs and hobbyists who want to do it. But in the same vein, like there's fewer opportunities for better character practice and you're practicing work being part of a production team. So those skills are like are useful. And it's definitely like if you're interested in it, it might be your only way to practice or get involved with it until you can afford to invest in training and things like that. So I think as long as you you go in with that mindset of practice rather than like, I, w- I wouldn't want to send anything that you're doing. Like I wouldn't advertise that to like to agents or anything. But like I said, you could build connections and who knows, maybe the person that you did a fan dub with became a producer or a caster and they want you back. Yeah, and yep. and on, on that same, along that, along that same, that same note, the, you know, the, the assistant that you're dealing with now, the person getting you coffee, the, whoever it is in the studio, <laughs> they're going to be the agents in a couple of years. They're going to be the ones who are going to be making the new content. They're going to be the ones who are hiring you in the future. So, you know, be, be respectful of everybody that you work with, regardless Absolutely. of where they are in the chain. Especially um, people at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, and that's, that's, I mean, that's just general, I think, just general respect. And, but, you know, know that it's things, you know, I'll, I'll use this as a, an anonymous example, but somebody that I first met in 2014 who I've come across cross paths with over the years came across and, you know, very blatantly and personally insulted a group of voiceover talent that I was with and has no idea that they did this. And years later, this is somebody that, you know, when I cross paths with, I don't really care to engage with because of something that happened four years ago, because it was a bunch of newbie talent that, you know, that we weren't, we were nobody. We were just a bunch of people in the corner of a room talking and somebody decided to come up and, you know, either show off or something. Um, and now all of us who were in that, in that room are working actors who are now <laughs> peers with this person who are now sharing opportunities and now, you know, crossing paths with this person. Or withholding or, opportunities. Or withholding <laughs> opportunities or, you know, ingratiate them very very nicely into a community 
So it's very easy to forget that this is a people-centric business. And like very often we work in isolation, but we work with people. So whether that's in person or online, just be respectful. Like, don't be a douche. (laughs) Nobody likes douches. (laughs) Well, Tim, you mentioned uh, when you were a newbie, some of the Mm -hmm. the things you observed. Let's talk about that a little bit, because a lot of our audience, honestly, is still people getting started in the business. What are some of the mistakes you think newbies make when they're getting started in the business? You know, I I think... The biggest mistake I I see have seen recently in the last few years, and I think this is with the the rise of some of you know the online of the movement to the online um, online opportunities is that people think that it's going to happen faster than it than it is going to happen. You know, they expect it to be well. I've been doing this for a year and I've done fifty auditions and I haven't booked anything and I'm just going to quit. Um, you know, and and that is, you know, you're just getting started. You've got another few years of doing this. Um, and then I think also, um, I think it's one of the things that I say in, in, the, in the workout groups that we run is like, I love y'all, but get get out of here. Go somewhere else. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's great to have have like a coach or somebody or a home home place to work with that people know you. But there, going back to what I was saying before, there's, you know, a coach's information and, and, and feedback is subjective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there somebody, you know, there's lots of great coaches and there's lots of great feedback and take what works for you, but you need, you need a different perspective. And, to, and if you get stuck working with one person for the entire duration of your, of the beginning of your career, you're just getting kind of one, one element of this. And I go back to kind of, kind of like Brad, I, I, I come from a music background. I got my, um, you know, originally I got my degree in clarinet performance. And, um, you know, kind of coming through, through that as a musician, you know, the, the, the idea of coaching and training and taking lessons is something that is just expected, expected in what we do. And I think that same thing can, can go for voiceover. People are like, well, you know, I, I trained for, you know, for, for six months and I got my, you know, my training's done and I'm ready to go out there and be, you know, be a professional. Well, it's you, you keep training, you keep learning, you keep having somebody, you know, you need that different, a different ear to be able to tell you what you're doing, where you can improve, um, to hear all the things that you don't hear. Because no matter as much as, as good as we are, we don't really hear ourselves um, authentically, I don't think. I think we hear ourselves through our own filter of what we think we're going to sound like and through our own filter of, of, of how we're feeling in that moment and our emotion. Exactly. And, and Plus your ego gets in the way. Yeah. Oh, ego, totally. Absolutely true. No, absolutely true. I use a sports think, analogy you know, a lot that uh, yeah. Tiger Woods still has a, a, gol- a swing coach all these years later. And every mm-hmm. every baseball team has a a hitting coach because you have to keep training yeah. the entire time. Absolutely. Well, the funny thing is, is that I feel like that's the area of biggest resistance for new talent is pursuing coaching. And mm-hmm. it's usually financial reasons why. I understand True. most yeah. coaches charge about 150 an hour and up. But mm-hmm. you just, like you guys said, it's expected. It should be expected. Like, I mean, we are doing like Olympian level vocal gymnastics and people just, like the fact that people don't think that requires any training is really upsetting. Right. And, and it's just talking, Sean. Didn't you know? It's just talking. It's How just can talking, I forget yeah. that? Right. Yeah. Um, well, but it's, it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect. You know, I, you know, I play. I play guitar mainly now, but I wouldn't expect to pick up you know guitar at thirty-five and just watch a bunch of stuff on YouTube and be a great guitar player. You know, I mean, there that is an avenue, and, and not to dismiss anybody who can do that. For me. And for most people I know, that's not 
an effective way to be as good as you can be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, I can, you can learn at 35, you can learn at 40, you can learn at 50, whatever you, you know, how, whatever age you choose to get into music or acting or any, any, any of these, these artistic endeavors that you choose to get into, you can do. And it's so much easier if you have somebody helping you along the way, learning, oh, yeah. passing along all that information. You know, I, I use this as like, you know, the, the best example that I use is like, you know, great, I'm, you know, I'm learning how to play all these scales and I'm, I'm playing what I think is a D major scale, but the entire time I've been playing the D7 scale and I've been playing it for years and I sound so great, but it's the wrong scale. And it takes one person to walk in and go, oh, in, in three seconds, I go, oh, sorry, you're missing that one note right there. And now all of a sudden you're going to be booking all those jobs because now you can play the right scale when you thought you were playing the wrong scale. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like long story short, why coaching? Objective feedback. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's well, when I moved yeah. to Los Angeles two summers ago, I kind of made it a point of pride for the first year I was here to take a class or attend an event every single week. And the yeah, only thing that. That, yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah and that was and, and okay. a lot of people would say, OK, that's a bit much. And it's true to a degree. It was a bit much, especially poor Charlie Adler, who I love, who's my, <laughs> who's my father in this industry. I mean, I'm not kidding. He's VO dad to me. He <laughs> last time I went to his his class, I guess it was probably summer May of last year, 2017. He's like, and I can't repeat what he said. <laughs> he's got a mouth on him. Because like, he he he, he walks into a room and sailors run out screaming. So, <laughs> but he was like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "You're my safe space. What can I say?" I, and and he's like, "Well, you need to get more dangerous." <laughs> so, that's but yeah, brilliant. coaching is everything. Everything. Yeah. I did that in 2015. I, I worked with a coach every week in 2015 for the entire year. But yeah, to put things in perspective, um, some people actually recently asked me to lead a workshop on on choosing a voiceover coach. And um, I had done some research in preparation for it, and I was like, wow, over the years, I've been with 30 different coaches, either just yeah. like one-day events or like, yeah, they weren't all like extended periods. They might have found out about yeah. them from... Uh, various things but yeah it was amazing and like for me it was more about just kind of exposing myself to as many different perspectives as possible and just because I freaking love VO I want to learn as much about it and be able to experience different perspectives and different genres because I mean not everyone's good at everything yeah absolutely true and and you need that different perspective of other people and then you know and you need kind of this goes to um um, kind of the education side of things, I think, which will, Brad would would chime in on this as well. Um, you know, is that you need not everybody explains things in a way that everybody understands. And I think it's you know uh, coming. I come from education um, as well as music, I, um, and I think it's being able. Kind of the secret to being a good teacher is that you need to be able to explain the same thing five hundred different ways, so yeah. five hundred different people can understand it in exactly the same way that you understand it and being able to explain something of like well you know i just i just do it and and you know it's and that's how it works some of my best the best musicians i've known have been some of the worst teachers because they didn't know they just did um what they did naturally but didn't really understand how to explain their process or how they did what they did in a way that somebody else could emulate it 
Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. And, yeah, and you tough. see you see talent who get frustrated because I like I worked with this like highly recommended top of their game coach and I didn't it wasn't satisfying for me or like I didn't feel like I got anything out of it or just had a frustrating experience. Right. That doesn't mean that you're a bad talent or they're a bad coach. They just might be a well, bad fit for you. <laughs> well, it may. I mean, at the we can assume, well like, be that. given the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, guys, this is a positive. This is a glass half full podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like it's important to try and don't feel like you have to be married to this coach if you don't if you're not feeling like you're getting the most out of it. Yeah. So, like, so now there's yeah. a glut of uh, voiceover coaches available. So you who, whatever your like snowflake educational needs are, you can find someone. <laughs> 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 you, you can. And, and, you know, along those same lines, you know, like explore, you know, ask people who have worked with them, find somebody who works for you because not every coach is going to work for you. And there's oh, yeah. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not like, you know, some, you know, same thing, you know, you go to college, you're in high school, people are like, oh man, my favorite teacher is this person. And you're like, God, I hated that person. They were, yeah. like, they were the worst. How could you uh-huh. like that person? You know, it's just, it's who you connect with. And you know, are they a better or worse teacher? Well, for you, there were a better teacher, and for somebody else, they were a worse teacher. So it's, you know, don't be exactly. afraid to move on if you know who you're working with doesn't doesn't give you what you need. And along the same lines, just because somebody comes highly recommended does not mean they're the right person for you. Absolutely, yeah. awesome. So that took a really interesting turn on the importance of coaching, <laughs> and but I love that we're all on the same page. It is important, and like like I said, there's lots of opportunities to do it or to try different coaches in mm-hmm. like more affordable ways, like maybe at a workshop or a webinar or a digital Absolutely. product or mm-hmm. uh, like our convention. So or there's maybe. lots of different. Maybe, maybe, or yeah. maybe, maybe at a weekly workout. Oh, maybe. maybe. At a weekly oh, workout. hey, wow. you know what? That's a great idea. Maybe we should look into that. <laughs> we should. We should check into that. <laughs> speaking into that. of, yeah. Speaking of weekly workouts. Speaking of, you two have, along yes. with along with Jay, have started yourselves a weekly workout mm-hmm. to do with the exact thing we're talking about: get that working pros to hone their craft and get some practicing. Can you tell us a little bit about how that started. It was in direct response to the substantial changes of the industry that happened last year. Um, yep. In August or so, with some of the consolidation of the um, players, big players in the game. Um, there we go. And <laughs> diplomatic, bringing yeah. it back. <laughs> um, one of the things that that disappeared, or that, that we thought was going to disappear, was this opportunity to do these online workouts that was offered by one of these um, one of these companies last year. Um, you know, and and going back to education, you know, I come from education. Brad comes from education. <clears throat> Um, I just finished my master's in education um, about a year and a half ago. And so for me, I know I can bring the education side of things. I couldn't, there's no way that I could compete, that any of us could compete against the juggernaut in, you know, give, helping, you know, in, in posting jobs and trying to find work opportunities. But I, I sure knew that we could compete with them when it came to education. Brilliant. That's and true. So, yep. so we took that component of it that we knew was missing and which, you know, like, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, we were absolutely right. As soon as, as soon as this consolidation happened, the education portion disappeared and the yes, online workouts disappeared instantly. Not even like, you know, hey, they're going to go away. It was like they're there one week and the next week they're gone. Yep. And so, you know, we kind of jumped in. I think we, we heard about the change at about seven, eight o'clock in the morning and by mm-hmm. noon. I had the website domain, and by the end of the week, we had already started talking about it and advertising, and had the first mock-up of the website done. 
yep. and we went live, I think, about three weeks after that. Um, which is something, you know, it had been in the back of our mind, something we've been talking about, that at least Jay and I have been talking about for a long, for about a year, but no reason to do it when there was opportunities out there already. And as soon as that opportunity disappeared, we knew that we could step in and fill that void. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's been great. It's been challenging. It's been exciting. It's been frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, all these things that you do, um, you know, with, hey, let's do it. Great. That was our plan. How? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's we'll put yeah. it together and see. It sounds how it like works. our podcast, so, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how we started that. No wonder mm, we get along exactly. so well. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, going back to what we you know I said before, it's the Wild West. I mean, who do you have to get authorization from somebody to do a podcast? Do we have to get approval from yeah. somebody to do you know an online workout? Do we have to get you know there again? Going back, you know, this isn't to say that just go out there and you know run over everybody and do exactly what you know what you want to do, regardless of what. You know, maybe some of the social conventions of voiceover may be. Um, but that there are, if you th- have a good idea, you see an opportunity, you see something is there, do it. You, After, you a do it. After a thoughtful <laughs> research and After a thoughtful research, absolutely, yes. yes. You know, take your time. But, you know, like, you can put it together. You know, we didn't go, you know, we definitely consulted with agents and people who had been guests before with talent to see if this is something that they would be interested in. You know, we I did a mock-up and had a few people run through it to see, hey, is this going to be beneficial? Is this better than what was happening before? Is this going to be more, you know, bulkier than what it was happening before? And, you know, we're here a year later. We're still running. I actually just posted, a, you know, our newest workout yesterday, um, which went live. Um, you know, we try to do it every week, but it's, you know, life gets in the way. Work gets in the way. We don't always, can't always find a coach that's available every week. We do our best to try and do it every week if we can, but, you know, it's... It's also something something that we just we do um, for the community, and I say free time. I don't know when any of us have, have free time, but you know, in our in, made time. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, we make time for this, but it's also something that we do because we know that it's needed. Well, how does it work huge. exactly? And because not all of our audience, I'm sure, is familiar with it, and if they want to get involved, yeah. tell us a little bit about the process. Sure. Well, this is it's voweeklyworkout.com, mm-hmm. and what we've basically what we we're trying to do is give people a chance to be to be heard and to try something and have an opportunity to get heard on a regular basis which if you're not in LA, New York, Chicago, um, some of the you know the large areas where there is a bigger community it's a little difficult it can be lonely it can be you know isolating and I mean it can be isolating yeah. in LA you know I mean I'm in I you know I was in LA for for 12 years before I even knew that there was anybody else in voiceover in LA which is just <laughs> yeah. insane um, but um, what we do is we, we have, you know, a special guest each week. It could be a casting director. It could be an agent. Um, a lot of who we have are agents because that's a lot of who we have our, you know, our, our connections and friendships with. Um, but, you know, we have – we post up a script or a variety of scripts. You get to download that script. You get to read one or two takes of that, upload it back to the website, and the guest director will um, listen and provide feedback. Very and cool. And after that, then everything gets posted on 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 um, an archive page with everybody else's reads, everybody else's feedback. So you can go and listen to what other people did. If you got a you know a specific feedback that said, hey, you know, try doing this, you can find somebody who read it the way that you wanted to read it. Listen to what they did. Or exactly. if there's you know um, somebody gets you know I think you know one of the greatest things is is somebody gets gets feedback on something that you've been doing. 
and you listen to them and you go, oh, okay, well, I hear th- I hear what you're talking about. Now, I hadn't heard it when I did it, but to hear somebody else do that, now I understand what you're saying. Man, that's yep. huge. I love, because a lot of people are so focused on improving their own performances that they forget to listen to others and to learn from the interaction of them and the coach or just... Maybe just being around another talent, be like, "Wow, that was a really great technique. I should pay more attention." Absolutely, and and you yeah, know, I think that you you can learn more. You know, this goes for like you know any of the workout groups that we do in LA and all the classes that we go to. You know, you get your your ten minutes or so in the booth. Use the other other rest of those three hours and learn. You yes. get to see so many of the people in that booth. You get to hear all this feedback. You get to hear all of this stuff. Take those notes. Take what the people are doing. What are people doing great? And try that. Here's here's somebody you know somebody stumbling over something and go oh I I remember when I used to do that so how did I get out of that you know let's see if this person gets out of the same way that I did and and use that time to learn and you know, this kind of goes to this goes to the conventions this goes to working with coaches this goes to doing any of the workout groups you will get out of it what you choose to get out of it and if you just go in and say okay give me all your knowledge and just just throw it on me and I'm gonna take this out of here and leave. Then, yeah. <laughs> then you, you can leave very frustrated. You can leave not feeling like you learned anything. But if you take the time and really pay attention to other people um, and what they're doing and what they're they're learning, listen to that feedback. Read the feedback. Listen to people's takes. Listen to some really great takes. Listen to some stuff that people need to improve on and learn. I love that. Yeah. Like You can definitely tell that you come from an educational background. Right. <laughs> uh, but just, just the way that you approach it from this level of conscious critical awareness and critical analysis. Absolutely, yeah. So, because as, as we've said many times on the podcast, you need to know what your voice sounds like, what it's capable of, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to analyze and articulate performances. Because if you can articulate something, you can do it. True, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I always we do the um, we do the in-person workouts at my studio um, a couple times a week. A lot of times, people give a great read, and instead of me saying that was a great read, I say, "Great, tell me about that read. What was it? How did that feel? What did you do that changed? What did you do? Explain to us why that read was different. I know why it was different. I want you to explain to us why it was different, so you can articulate what it was that you did to make it different. Um, and and going back to kind of you know, what, one of the earlier questions about one of the mistakes, you know, that newbies make, I think one of the biggest mistakes people can make is just going into this passively mm-hmm. and not, you know, like th- one of the things that I found is the first, very first convention I went to, which is voice 2014 was how insanely friendly everybody is and welcoming. And, you know, we, all, we always say like, Oh, I mean, the voice of people are so nice. I, I, I keep waiting for people to, for that to change. It's been four years now. Yeah. It's not yeah. changing. We're all, I mean, everybody is, you know, everybody is just, everybody's nice, everybody is helpful, and everybody wants to help. But if you just sit in the corner and expect things to come to you, it's not going to happen. You have mm-hmm. to go it's, out and make it happen. Yeah, it's just like, you know, okay, I've signed with an agent. Now I'm just going to sit back and wait for the phone to ring. That's the mm-hmm. same attitude that, that gets you at subsistence at best, honestly. I mean, if, if that, yeah, yeah, if that, if you're, if you're lucky that, but then, then again, there's also the, the mindset of, okay, an agent is going to take 10% of what you do. You need to be doing the other 90% of the legwork. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, that right there to me is it changes the mindset completely to, oh, they're, they're the gatekeepers to the work opportunities, but you need to be doing things too. And make it a partnership. So, so that that whole idea, you know, Tim, everything Tim said, it's like we're we're straight in a parallel line, you know, when it comes to the approach. Mm-hmm. It's 
I know that I would never have been able to absorb as much stuff from from workouts and workshops and seminars and everything if I had been passive and I only mm -hmm. go in there to go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to wow them. And then I'm just going to sit there on my phone the rest of the time. I mean, what's the, right. what's the rule, Tim, when you walk in? Phones down. Put down right? your phone. Yep. Put down your phone or at least let us know that you're taking notes on your phone. Yeah, exactly. Because, now, if, you know, because I mean, I, I lead a lot of workouts, too, through uh, through uh, Global Voice Acting Academy. Yes. And even um, Paul and I will uh, occasionally work out together. But um, anyways, like I get so frustrated when I see people who are obviously like muted, but practicing their next take. Yes. And yeah. yep. uh, and I'm like, that's great. I know you want to do a good job, guys, but you're no longer present and you're missing out. Yes. And yeah. Uh, I love that you you brought up the word gatekeeper, Brad, because yep. I feel like, and and this is going back to that sort of antiquated idea of how you get in, like we don't view ourselves as gatekeepers to our own careers, like we always assume that like someone else is going to get us in, you know, to give us access, and like agents do do give you access to jobs that you might be unable to find on your own, but yeah. that doesn't mean they do all the work for you, Absolutely. and. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so like like you guys are saying, you get in what you or excuse me, you get out what you put in, and if you're extremely active, like you can see the people who like just like I, I you guys probably know who I'm thinking of, but just like in a year or two or three have just gone from zero to full time. Yep. And oh, yeah. like the drive is apparent. It's obvious in the way in, in this person and mm -hmm. their interactions. So like that more than anything is just don't sit on your laurels and just constantly try and move forward in your career. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think it's sorry. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, no. Go, go ahead. I'll, I'll pick up after that. What's funny is, is that it's a it's a balance to strike, too, where it's like there is there is a you need to be doing more than the minimum of, of you know, beating the pavement and doing what you need to do to be well known amongst your peers and everything. But then there is a limit on the upper side too, where you don't want to end up being the person it's like introducing themselves to new people with their resumes and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Yes. That's, that goes back to being respectful <laughs> and understanding the, like what you're doing. Cause I mean, agents don't want to be solicited at a workshop. Oh God, no. And, you know, and, and we, and we've worked with, you know, agents in, in, in our worker groups. And one of the things that you know, more than one of them says is, don't come in here and show me what you can do. Don't come in here and show off. This isn't a showcase. Come in here and work. If you're not here yeah. to work, then let somebody else come in here who is here to work and yeah. get better at, at what, you know, what they do. Um, and it's and I think, a you know, big distinction between, between, yep. uh, between workshopping and showcasing. Casing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and agents can see that and casting directors can see that. And yeah. you know, people, people know. And it goes back to that, like, I mean, VO is a collaborative effort. It's not, like, you're not the star of the show. And if you're going in this for fame or recognition, like, then stop. Like, it's not for you. Your job is to help give agents, casters, directors what they want. And so, like, there's a partnership there that you need to respect. Very much so. Well, Tim, you talked about uh, your workouts having the phone be checked the door. You're talking yeah. about the, the in-person workouts at your studio, Soundbox sound LA, right? Let's talk Correct, a little bit yes. about that. How did you start the studio, and what kinds of uh, work do you do there? Um, man, you know, that was – that I, I started this place in direct response to the fact that I had no idea what the heck I was doing, and I was <laughs> failing at voiceover, 
And, you know, I, I, I basically am a great example of how to do everything wrong. <laughs> Get a demo. Make a demo made. Good. I'm done. Move to L.A. Great. Send out to agents. Great. Nobody picked me up. Okay, great. I got an agent. Well, you know, let me take another year. In a year, I'll send out that. And then in this year, I'm not going to study voiceover for that year. And let me take another couple years off from voiceover. And then I'll go out and try and get an agent. And then I'm going to wonder why the agents don't want to listen to what, I ha- what I'm doing because I don't sound like me. And let's just isolate yourself and not talk to anybody and not know anything. And part of that is the fact that it's as overwhelming as it is. You pick up the voiceover resource guide or look for a list of coaches. There's, what, three, four, five pages of coaches? I who they all look the same. I can't tell the difference between one coach or another. If you don't know anybody, don't have anybody to ask, don't have anybody to to hear feedback on, you don't know. It's like here, let me pick, pick, I can't afford to go to every university I want to go to to find out which one I like. Exactly. So then you just don't go to any of them. So I didn't coach with anybody. I didn't study with anybody. I didn't train with anybody. Um, I would send out demos once a year and then wonder why I didn't hear back from anybody. <laughs> so you know, talk about being passive. You know, I was doing all the wrong things. And, you know, I was, you know, I was hours away from quitting voiceover and I decided to get out of bed and go to voice 2014. And there I met a bunch of people who were, as I say, failing the way that I was failing. And all of a sudden I was like, well, wow. So I'm not an outlier here. I'm not completely, uh, you know, lost in what I'm doing. And I have a great opportunity. I had the space. So why don't I invite some people over and we can all just kind of learn about voiceover together and we can maybe all fail together. <laughs> and from there, it kind of became a place that um, I kind of have built around the community. I built the studio was never supposed to be public. It was supposed to be just a place where I, you know, do music and where I practice and, and, and people came over and they needed opportunities or they needed a place to record. Well, here, you know, let me come over. Let me, you know, you need this mic. Well, okay, you know, I'll have this mic for you next time you come over. And I guess you need this and we need this kind of connection. Oh, you need ISDN. Well, let me look into ISDN and see about this. And it kind of grew around the needs of the community um, and kind of became just, you know, I had this, I had a place and I wanted to share it with people and not keep it to myself. And it's grown into this, into something way beyond anything I had ever thought it would be. And we actually, you know, kind of opened two satellite studios earlier this year, one in Studio City and one in Sherman Oaks. Um, where we're going to start, you know, possibility of, of offering workout groups at those locations as well at some point. I do three workout groups a week most of the time, um, two that I run myself and one that Jay Preston and I run together. And we don't, I don't advertise, it's all word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. And I just try and give people a place that feels safe and comfortable and you can come in and do the best work that you can do because it feels like being at home. That's amazing. So um, I'm sure Brad will agree with me on this. And we were just talking about how amazingly just generous and kind Mm -hmm. voiceover people are. Well, I feel like Tim is an exceptionally kind VO person, (laughs) like like just a cut above because of all like, I mean, just this idea, like you're incredibly community minded and you're always thinking like, I don't need all of this stuff, but someone else does. And I would like to provide it. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I even saw a post recently. He's like, I'm out of town this week. Anyone need my studios? Keys are in the box. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> yep. Yep. The man does yeoman's work. I mean, to use an antiquated <laughs> term, but still, I mean, you know, it. it's just so wonderful to know that 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 whole story of this being the the most wonderful industry and everything i think some people they only scratch the surface when they understand that to mm-hmm. a degree because mm-hmm. we circle the wagons and we take care of our own we i mean yeah. i don't i don't know of any industry 
especially an artistic one where a person gets an audition and goes, you know what, this is not for me, but I know two other people that would be great for this. I do that all I mean, the time. Well, I've actually walked people yeah. to my agent. Well, I, should, I say walk, yeah. not not physically. But <laughs> just last week, there was one where I said, "I have a colleague who would be better at this than me. You want to you want to hear from him and maybe sign him?" And they were like, "Yeah." <laughs> so we did yep. it. Yep. Brilliant. And I like honestly, guys, thank you both so much. I mean, it's not it's not just about what you are getting out, what you put in, but I mean, you guys have given so much uh, to the community and continue to do so on a daily, weekly basis. Just, just to circle back to the, the workout, the, the weekly workout, Brad, what was uh, uh-huh. something that surprised you from one of those weekly workouts, either from the, the presenter or the, the guest director or from a submission? Oh, I'll tell you what's been surprising, and it's, it shouldn't be surprising. That's the, the funny part is it, <laughs> I should have seen this. We should have all collectively seen it coming, uh, but that is there is so much varied types and level of verbosity, if you will, of feedback <laughs> that you get, oh, yeah. <laughs> because some of some of our most wonderful, you know, great coaches that we've gotten wonderful relationships with over the years, they will they'll sit back and they'll record live like what we're doing here for the podcast. Mm-hmm. They'll record an audio version of what they have to say to any person that that participates in the workout. Then there are others who are extremely concise and and yep. waste no words. And then yes. there are others who type long, huge, this is specifically what you did that I did like, what you didn't like, and here's how to improve it. And mm-hmm. what's been the greatest thing, the greatest gift, I think, out of all of this, in, the, in all that variance of the kind of feedback that they have provided, is the insight into the industry as a whole mm-hmm. as yes. the fact that there have been people there are people who whose whole you know reason of existence is to give feedback and and lift others up and push them aside or to aside push them further in their careers and make them better actors then there are some who is like, I am a business person and I'm gonna give it to you straight and I'm gonna give it to you yep. in a way that you may not like. But you're going to hear something that you need to be more self-aware of. And mm-hmm. then there are those who, you know, somewhere in between. I mean, that's an interesting bell curve as to how it all plots out. But that is something I think is a microcosm of the entire industry. And that has mm-hmm. been the most surprising thing for me is to see it actually unfold. Just have it, yeah. have it taking place like that. It's been great. It's a wonderful Absolutely. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I was mentioning before, just like working through Global Voice Acting Academy and all the coaches I've worked with and meeting yeah. you guys at conferences and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you just, you get like, it's, you're removing yourself from that box, right? And like, you're no, you're no longer in isolation. You find yeah. out uh-huh. what, like, you hear from people, like straight from the horse's mouth, what is hiring, what people want, what is the popular yep. sound. So you're able to provide it ideally because you're listening and you're um, like you're just learning as much about what they want as you can. The, the one thing that I, I really want people to take away from from what both Tim and I and Jay together do versus what we do individually is, is we're always trying to lift everybody. We really are. I mean, it's not like it's uh, we're trying to do it to, you know, have a, you know, have some, people have high opinions of us or anything. It's mm-hmm. just that this is what this industry needs because we have seen 
corporate entities come in and just waylay the industry and try to mm-hmm. you know literally quote unquote take over the world. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like it's like a real live version of Pinky in the Brain some days, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily a good thing. So mm-hmm. we just want to make sure that you know we realize that we in Los Angeles have a really a glut of wonderful coaches and and agents and casting people that we all call friends. And we want them to know people that may not have that opportunity elsewhere. And I think that has been one thing like between work at weekly workout and between my old friends in Dallas who have been starting to poke the bear of Los Angeles and mm-hmm. providing them an air mattress in my studio <laughs> has, has been something I, I just want to make sure anyone knows that, you know, when they come in from out of town, they generally, if they know me at all, then they have a place to stay with me. And it's been great to see some of the projects that have actually been been shown to be going live this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something that, you know, my one of my friends did, she just announced this week. And she, I remember a year ago when she was hanging out with us, my wife and I here, and staying in our second bedroom, which is the studio, and now all of a sudden, here's this thing that she was working on a year ago that's now seen the light of day. And I'm just sitting there just like shaking my head. And like, oh, it's how weird far how they've this come. all happened. <laughs> we're like, oh my gosh, how does this all come together? And it just makes us feel like a giant spider web that we're all interconnected in some way. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure that we, we do whatever we can to make this industry a better place and not, you know, not a worse one. Well, you guys are certainly putting a Herculean effort forth in that regard. I mean, honestly, well, one I, of us I, is. One <laughs> of us is for sure. Tim, Tim is doing that. Mm. You're all great, but but honestly, guys, like I feel like we're like you're definitely kindred spirits. I love like uh, just. I'm so happy to hear you, and like you can hear the joy in your voice from recounting like people you've worked with ex- succeed and excel, oh, and yeah. It's yes. amazing. He's tearing up on me now, <laughs> big softy. Um, but I mean, honestly, I, I've, I've felt for a long time that the biggest tool we have in maintaining and hopefully improving the voiceover industry is education. And yes. mm-hmm. you guys are providing that in spades and are like, you really are in, like, you're really bettering your part of the voiceover world. So thank you both so much. Or thank, oh, thank all you. of you guys. Before we go, tell us where people can find you if they want to hire you as a voice actor. Or if they'd like to participate in the weekly workout. Uh, yeah, well, the weekly workout is just is gonna is is voweeklyworkout.com, mm-hmm. and um, you can sign all the information is on there. There's a login section where you can sign up, and when you sign up, you get um, an email with all of the information about how it works, why we put it together, and kind of our goals with that. Um, and then to find me on online is just timfriedlander.com, and it's Friedlander like Friedlander. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to revisit the weekly workout because Tim made it more than clear where, where to find us there, but uh, via weeklyworkout.com. And uh, you can find me at bradvenable.com. That's uh, V-E-N, like Venn diagram, but with one N, able, able to do things, or at atlastalent.com. One of the two. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. We really appreciate you being here. It was a fantastic discussion. Tim, thanks for making the effort to come to, to a studio in Seattle, or Bellingham. Bellingham. Hey, I had to Seattle. drive farther than yeah, he did. he did drive farther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you work here. <laughs> sort of, sort of. And we're going for burritos afterwards. It's a, so yeah, it's, it's a labor ooh, of love. And yeah, laboritos. Yes, nice. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll see nah, you I soon. I see what you did there. 
Yeah. <laughs> miss I you like guys. portmanteaus. I miss you, man. Definitely. <laughs> and thanks again. <laughs> So thank you so much, Tim and Brad, for being on our podcast. And thank you, VoiceOver Collective, for just offering an amazing resource. I highly recommend you check out their workouts and get to know a little bit more about them. So you can find them at thevoiceovercollective.com or at their Facebook page, VoiceOver Collective. It's a wonderful community. It's a great place to network and work out with your peers and just kind of practice those performances and maybe even get your ear in front of some very worthwhile casters. So thank you guys so much for being a guest on our podcast. As you might have seen in sort of the uh, the promotional video teasers for this interview, uh, Tim actually came up to, like Tim and I actually recorded on location in a place called Bellingham, Washington. Uh, I actually used to live up there when I was going to college. I was visiting my family that week, uh, my brother and his family. And Tim actually had family, had grown up there himself uh, near in a neighboring city. So he came up for the afternoon and we recorded at a, a studio that I've worked at, at the wonderful Binary Recording Studios uh, in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you, Bob Ridgely. And uh, we actually used sort of, um, we, were, we weren't in the actual studio per se, we uh, we are in the kind of live room, so we use the Vomo, the voiceover mobile booth, from our good friends at Vocal Booth To Go. So, Vocal Booth To Go's patented acoustic blankets are an effective alternative to expensive soundproofing. Often used by vocal and voiceover professionals, engineers, and studios as an affordable soundproofing and absorption solution. We make your environment quieter for less. So thank you so much to Jeff over at Vocal Boot to Go for supplying us with that Vomo. And thanks again, Tim, for coming up. It was so great to meet you in person. Yeah, thanks to both Brad and Tim from the VoiceOver Collective and VO Weekly Workout. We really appreciate their time. Uh, the interview was, was really great. Well, that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Come join us next month. At, like we said before, we have that epic mic shootout where we get to try over a, about a dozen different microphones at various uh, price ranges, various polar patterns. Just some really interesting choices. Some other upcoming guests we have are Sarah Jane Sherman, casting director, uh, marketing guru, VO marketing guru, Celia Siegel, and uh, Peter Dixon and Hugh Edwards from Gravy for the Brain. Lots of good content coming up over the next couple of months. Very cool. So don't miss an episode, guys, because we'll keep uh, churning them out as the week or as the year goes by. So that's it for this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. VO Meter is powered by IPDTL.